You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. Now, if you have your Bible, would you turn back to that passage in, uh, in Matthew chapter 12? It's the verses 38 to 41. Tonight, God willing, we'll be looking at that little phrase from Jonah. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So that's what we'll be looking at tonight. But <clears throat> this morning we're going to look at this, uh, this reference uh, to Jonah that the Lord Jesus makes here in Matthew's Gospel. Now the story of Jonah abounds with dramatic images, doesn't it? Jonah on the run. Jonah the sleeping sinner in the midst of the storm for which he is to blame, the convicted sinner uh, thrown into the sea, the repentant believer uh, praying to the Lord from inside the fish. And, and we can imagine any of these scenes in our mind's eye without needing too much imagination. But here's another one. A stretch of beach and a rather bedraggled-looking Jonah lying on the shore. Maybe, maybe his skin and his hair bleached because of the acid that there is in the fish's stomach. And here is one who has experienced the most abject humiliation as one who has, so to speak, died and has at the very last minute been spared by the grace of God. Jonah's deliverance wasn't just another amazing providence in a prophet's busy life. Neither was it just a wonderful example of how God can do a man some good. It was nothing less than a sign. It was a sign to the people of Jonah's time. It was a sign to future generations. It was a sign about the character of God and his redemptive purpose for the human race in the person and work of his Son, the Lord Jesus. And there's nothing on the face of the text of the book of Jonah itself to suggest such a grand theme. But in the New Testament, from the lips of the Lord Jesus himself, we are given the authoritative interpretation of Jonah a sign that would be republished with messianic fullness in the death and resurrection of the Savior of the world. Jesus was constantly being asked for a miraculous sign, again and again and again. They wanted him to do something that would really knock our socks off, something really unusual. Again and again, he was asked to do this. And this was supposed to prove that he was who he claimed to be, the Son of Man, the Messiah promised in the Scriptures. On at least two of these occasions, Jesus responded by telling the inquirers that the sign that the world, that, sorry, the sign that they would be given would be quite different from that which they had in mind. It would be the sign of Jonah. And that's why we read there from Matthew 12, verses 38 to 41. And and this is the passage that we'll be concentrating on for the remainder of our time. So what is the sign 
of Jonah. And, and this is explained in the Gospels in terms of three interrelated aspects. First of all, the connection between Christ and Jonah. Then secondly, the contrast between Christ and Jonah. And then thirdly, the call to all men everywhere to believe in Christ as their own Savior. So I want to look at each of them in turn. First of all, the connection between Jonah and Christ. The connection between Jonah and Christ. It's summed up there in verse 40 in the words of the Lord himself. If you look at verse 40, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The key to understanding this connection is in the theme of the three days and three nights. Jonah's experience is a prophetic picture. It is a foreshadowing. It is an actual prophecy of what was to happen to the incarnate Son of God. It was an acted out prophecy. Jonah went the way of death. He was thrown into the sea. As far as, as the people in the ship were concerned, that was the end of Jonah. He went the way of death, so did Christ. Jonah remained for three days in the grip of death, so did Christ. Jonah returned to the land of the living on the third day, so did Christ. Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, and so was Christ assigned to his own generation and to succeeding generations as one risen from the dead to be the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. The connection between Jonah and Christ. But then there's the contrast between Jonah and Christ. And the contrast is, is drawn there in verse 41. Look at it. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. <clears throat> there are three points of contrast in this verse, and I want to look at them in reverse order. First of all, it speaks of a different prophet. Jesus said, and now one greater than Jonah is here. A prophet greater than Jonah is here. Now, the doctrine of the person and work of Christ is here in this expression. Jonah was a man like Adam, of the dust of the earth, a sinner who could not save himself, though a believer and a prophet of God. But Jesus came, the sinless Son of Man. You see the contrast? The prophet, the priest, the king, he was the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was the last Adam, the Lord of glory, who would be crucified for the sins of his people, willingly, lovingly, laying down his life for his enemies, that he might give them eternal life and bring them into a saving relationship with himself. His birth, his life, his ministry, uh, all pointed to his being the promised Messiah, the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. However amazing the resurrection of Jonah, 
that he was thrown onto the land, as it were. However revealing of the grace of God, the sign of Jonah. All is but the palest shadow of the revelation of God in the person and work of Christ. Because according to John and 1 John 2, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So there's a different prophet. And then there's a different response. <clears throat> Christians today sometimes feel, you know, if, if only Jesus were here, if, if only people could hear him in person, see him in person, if only they could see the things that he, that he can do, then surely people would be far more ready to listen to the gospel message and act on it. They know, of course, that he's not going to come until the last great day. But they think if only people could see him, if, if only they could hear him speak, they would listen and they would respond. But the truth is that people were not more willing to commit themselves to Christ when they could see him, when they could hear him. Because there was a time in this world for 33 years that he lived in this world and he went about doing good. He went about doing the most amazing things. They heard him speak. They saw him. They could touch him. They could eat with him. And yet, in spite of that, they didn't believe in him. They were not more willing to commit themselves to Christ when they could see him with their own eyes. They were not more willing to submit to Christ when they could hear him with their own ears. You see, seeing is not the same as believing. People say seeing is believing. That's not true. Seeing is not the same as believing. In fact, the people he grew up among were the people who were quickest to reject him. He came onto his own, and his own did not receive him. They rejected him. They found it hardest to do anything in Capernaum, before they knew him best. You remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus that Jesus told? Rich man who feasted sumptuously every day, clothed in purple. Poor man, Lazarus at his gate, had neither in him nor on him. And the poor man died. Well, you would expect that. Hadn't a very good diet. He was, he was living in neglect. He was living in the open air. That's, that's understandable. But it says the rich man also died. And you see, that, that's the thing. In spite of people's people's resources, you know, it didn't matter how much money he had. He had a time to be born and he had a time to die. And, and the rich man died. And in hell, it says, he opened his eyes. And he looks up to heaven and he sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. And he says, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to dip his, his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in torment here. And you remember how he's reminded there's a great gulf fixed between there and here. You can't cross that. Well then, well then the rich man says, look, I have five brothers. Send Lazarus to warn my brothers. 
Do you remember the answer? If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they listen, even if someone rises from the dead. If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, if they don't listen to the scriptures, neither will they listen, even if someone rises from the dead. And here we are today living in 2022. And one has risen from the dead. And still people do not understand. Still people do not believe. So we can now understand the significance of the contrast between the response of the Ninevites to Jonah and the response of the Jews to Jesus. Think about it. The Ninevites, pagans, repented at the preaching of Jonah. Now, we have done a fair wee bit of study in Jonah, haven't we? Jonah, in his book, paints a picture of himself, warts and all. And yet these pagan Ninevites repented at the preaching of Jonah. <clears throat> but the Pharisees and their ilk were so hard-hearted, so spiritually blind as to reject Jesus completely. All that the Ninevites had was a heathen background. All that they had was a prophet who was not only a restored backslider, but a foreigner, and a message that was all gloom and doom. What, what was Jonah told to go and preach? Preach judgment. Go and preach judgment. So the story Jonah was preaching was gloom and doom. And yet, and yet the Ninevites repented. Now, a preacher like that today, assuming anyone would listen, would be, would be laughed out of court. But Nineveh repented. On the other hand, the Jews steadfastly resisted Christ, even to the point of nailing him to a cross. They had all the privileges. They were the covenant people of God. They had the scriptures. And most significantly of all, they had the Lord Jesus Christ among them, fulfilling the promises of the Word of God and revealing himself as the Savior of sinners. The eternal love of God was being poured out before them in his only begotten Son. And yet, they despised him. They rejected him. They crucified the Lord of glory. Now contrast these two audiences, the Ninevites and the scribes and Pharisees and the people of Jesus' day. You can hardly take it in. It, it, it makes no sense. They had the Lord of glory living in front of them. There was no one who could accuse them of sin. They knew this man was different, and yet they rejected him, they despised him, they killed him. Now, let me say to anyone here this morning who is not a Christian, that's exactly what you're doing. You're doing exactly what the scribes and Pharisees and the people of Jesus' day were doing. 
Because you're in an even more privileged position. Do you know that? Because in, in Jesus' day, they had the scriptures. What scriptures had they? They had the Old Testament. They had nothing else. The Ninevites, they didn't even have that. And yet they repented at the preaching of Jonah. You're living in a day and age when we have the whole canon of Scripture and 2,000 years of, of, of gospel history. And if you're in that position where you have ignored Christ, refused to follow Christ, what you're doing is you're rejecting Christ. You're not neutral. You're rejecting Christ. You're despising Christ. You're in agreement with the scribes and the Pharisees. A different prophet. A different response. And the third thing is a different destiny. Consequently, Jesus says, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. You see it there in verse 41? The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. It will not be the Jews who will condemn these Gentile Ninevites in Judgment Day, as the Jews like to think. No. The reverse will be the case. The Ninevites had an inferior message from an inferior prophet. But they had repented. The Jews had all the privileges and all the promises, but they rejected the enfleshed word himself, the living word. They had rejected him. Their response to the word, their response to the scriptures, their response to the Lord Jesus would determine their eternal destiny. And the utter waste of their covenant privileges and their, and their apostasy from the Lord will be forever set against the repentance of the Ninevites. The connection between Jonah and Christ, the contrast between Jonah and Christ. <clears throat> and then finally, the call to all people. The unanswered question for each generation is this. And it's an unanswered question for our generation. What will you do with the sign of the Son of Man? What will you do with the sign of the Son of Man? That is to say, what will you do with the Christ who died and rose again on the third day? Will you, with Nineveh, repent and change your ways? Or will you, with the scribes and Pharisees, despise and reject the good news of salvation? in the Lord Jesus. You know, many today are still looking for signs and wonders. Modern man challenges God to produce a sign. You know, a world without famine, a world with a zero infant mortality rate, a world without war and genocide, a world without evil. Then modern man perhaps will believe that there's a God. If earth were heaven, he seems to be saying. Then he could believe there's a God. But what has been conveniently forgotten is that it is man who is responsible for the mess that this world is in. It's man's 
rebellion against a holy God that has led to the dire situation that this world is in. And it is Jesus Christ who is the answer to man's real need. And listen, the day will come when the present order will completely disappear and there will be a new heaven and a new earth in which there is only righteousness. But it will be too late for modern man as he waits for his signs and wonders. He will only hear these words from the lips of Jesus. Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, verse 41. The only sign that matters has been given. Paul told the Christians at Rome that the Lord Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. The Apostle John. And John 1 says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. Born of God. Which group do you identify yourself with? the Ninevites who repented at the preaching of Jonah or the scribes and Pharisees who rejected the Son of God and despised him and put him to death. Jesus says the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now one greater than Jonah is here even Jesus, the Son of God. Let's pray. 